Welcome to Testify It. I am so excited today to be uh, with my friend, Dr. Bruce Fowler of Peace Ministries, and he has an exciting story to share about a friend of his, Mike Carter, who he met many years ago in Puerto Rico. Welcome, Bruce. Thank you. Thank you, Christopher. Um, I wanted to tell you about this friend you just mentioned, uh, Dr. Mike Carter. Um, he has died several years ago, but let me tell you how well this all started. A few days ago, um, I got a call from a friend with whom I had not spoken or had any contact with for about 40 years, my friend Sama Karunia Carter, who was Mike Carter's wife, um, was uh, I had known in Puerto Rico when my wife Judy and I were missionaries there. Uh, Sama told me the other day when she called that she and Mike had been trying unsuccessfully to um, to contact me for years and years to share some of the amazing things that God had been doing in their lives for the past 40 years. But while they were trying to get in contact with me unsuccessfully, Mike died in 2005 at, uh, suddenly at the age of 55. And, um, she hadn't found a way to contact me till just last week. She shared with me about, um, a lot of things that were happening in Mike's life, things that I would not have even guessed. In fact, they kind of sounded like fiction, unless I had already realized how astounding my friend Mike was back 40 years ago when I knew him. Now, I typically, I don't like to share stale old testimonies from the past, um, but I can, because uh, some things have happened uh, since then to make it all relevant. And one thing it's showing me is that God isn't calling us to be some great person doing great things. He just calls us to be an obedient person doing mundane things for a, a great God. But my story and Mike's begins back in the early uh, 1970s when we were missionaries to Puerto Rico and um, we were called to... Do, to teach Bible and pastoral counseling at, at International Christian University, uh, which was the training school for missionaries going to Latin America. And um, I started using the prisons as a training laboratory for my counseling students there at International Christian University. And uh, went into prison camps and jails and the penitentiary of uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, because those institutions presented almost every problem imaginable for practicing counseling, for hurting people. Well, during the 12 years that uh, I was a missionary there to the Puerto Rican prisons, I saw all kinds of miracles in God's transforming life. I mean, there were, there were lifetime criminals becoming born-again evangelists for the gospel. There were drug addicts and alcoholics that were healed, even... Even people literally raised from the dead by God's miraculous power. And the prison officials begin to notice that, too. And, and they asked me at one point, the administration of corrections there in Puerto Rico asked me if, if I would set up a chaplaincy program for all, uh, I don't know, 20-some corrections facilities in the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico. 
Well, that put me into contact with a lot of other agencies, social service agencies, churches, drug programs, halfway houses around um, uh, around the island of Puerto Rico that could help with uh, God's work. They were interested in seeing destructive lives transformed into being successful. But uh, God had really uh, focused me on on giving attention to disenfranchised, down-and-out um, losers, that's what they call themselves, into righteous saints of God's kingdom. One of those places that uh, I, I begin to work with in Puerto Rico was uh, the Salvation Army home called Hogar de Esperanza, which is Hope House, where uh, a lot of my guys ended up on their way out of prison, uh, but the Hope House worked with all kinds of losers, as they call themselves. Uh, they worked with uh, not just prisoners, but junkies, alcoholics, just plain <laughs> crazy guys. Well, that's where I happened to meet Mike Carter around somewhere around 1979. Now, again, I want to emphasize Mike wasn't a prisoner. He didn't come from the prisons. He said, I- I'm not an ex-con. I'm worse. I'm an alcoholic. And he affirmed that... Uh, at least his perspective, alcohol was a far more oppressive uh, tyrant than a prison was. But one thing about Mike, he had a brilliant mind, and a pretty educated one, too, I found out later. Drunk or sober, it seemed that Mike always had something to, significant to say. He was articulate, he was well-read, he was eager to learn the truth even if everybody else happened to be offended by it. But, um, he, in fact, his uh, his prolific vocabulary of academic words earned him the title of brilliant orator. And I was tempted to call him B.O. for brilliant orator, but in his case, uh, B.O. stood for some other things, too, uh, because of his lack of personal hygiene. Usually, uh, the Salvation Army kept him sober and... Uh, my developing friendship with Mike usually kept him busy talking about scripture and the Lord and theology. Um, he even sometimes came into the prisons with me to help um, evangelize some of the, the guys there in the prison. And he went to the Wesleyan church with me where uh, I introduced him to a lot of guys or a lot of friends that seemed to be uh, of a higher class than the, than the halfway house provided. Now, at that time, I was um, I was teaching a Sunday school class there at the Wesleyan Church on the Book of Hebrews, and Mike was one of my favorite students in that class. He was uh, very outspoken because he challenged almost every scriptural point that we raised in the class. And I say challenged; he wasn't unkind or, or hostile. He just he just wanted to know and believe the truth, every truth, whether it was scriptural or scientific or philosophical or or theological or history. He just he just wanted to challenge everything he thought he knew because he was he had had a uh, a, a bachelor's college education in which he was taught very firmly that the world got here through evolution and science was a major academic uh, prowess of his. And so he challenged our class in Hebrews to a deeper level of academic honesty by his very perceptive and 
and, and persistent uh, challenge to our scriptural orthodoxy through his uh, uh, evolutionary assumptions. Well, one day, one Sunday, Mike wasn't there for the class, and <laughs> I didn't know whether to be relieved or frustrated, So, uh, because his annoying candor was uh, shockingly obvious by its absence. So I, I stepped outside the church, and I found Mike slouched in a drunken stupor against the mango tree outside the church. And there he was mumbling drunkenly something about his inability to believe what what the rest of us believed as the simple word of God. I guess he thought all of us were simple. Well, and I guess maybe we were compared to him. He was very well educated and very uh, very articulate. So he was mumbling about, well, I might as well resign myself to going to hell since, since he was a confirmed evolution-saturated atheist. Oh, man, I didn't know what to do. I, I, I walked over to him, and I, I put my arm around Mike to kind of hold him up and to focus his attention. And I asked him, if, Mike, do you really want to believe God, or would you prefer to keep your atheism uncomplicated? Oh, he started almost crying. He cried out slushily that he, he really did want to believe with every fiber of his being what God said was true, but he, he just couldn't because he was uh, committed to his background and evolution, and he knew that that contradicted Scripture, and he couldn't believe both evolution and Scripture at the same time, at least not to his level of uh, academic integrity. Well, I it, it didn't seem like that was the very moment that I needed to challenge him to some, or engage him in some deep intellectual theological debate about evolution in that condition, but I realized that drunk or, or, or sober, Mike still could have probably run intellectual circles around me, but that didn't seem to be uh, the time or place for that kind of a discussion. Instead, I just said, hey, Mike, can, can I just pray with you? He agreed, he agreed that, yeah, he, I could. So when I started to pray, and I can't remember for sure what, for something like peace or clarity of mind for him or, or something like that, he immediately did something I've never seen before or since, or in fact, I've never even heard of it. He instantly became stone-cold sober. He, he, he just instantly sat upright. He jerked upright, his eyes wide open, and his thoughts and his speech were all of a sudden crystal clear. And he said, wow, what, what just happened to me? I said, well, I, I'm not sure, Mike. Maybe today is the day that God wants to do something special in your life. This sounds like a, a pretty good start. Where do we go from here? He, he said, wow, wow, this is mind-boggling. All of a sudden, I feel great, don't have a hangover. I, I, my mind is clear, wonder what just happened. I said, well, I'm not sure, Mike, but uh, he's gotten our attention. Are you uh, ready to give God the rest of you as well? Uh, he pondered that for a minute and said, well, <laughs> I don't know. How could I do that? when I still believe what science says instead of what the Bible says. Can you believe both? I said, I, I'm not sure, Mike. Uh, so I kind of thought out loud, kind of talking to him and praying to God all at the same time. I said, 
tell you what, why don't you just decide to believe what the Bible says, even though it doesn't seem to fit with all that other stuff you've been taught? Hmm. He said, you mean, you mean like decide to think something that I don't really believe that doesn't, I mean, can, can, can I just decide to believe something like, even though it contradicts everything else I know, I, I, I don't know. What, what do you mean? I, I've never even really ever done, I don't know. Can you even do that? I mean, he was kind of confused. And at that point, I, I guess I was kind of confused too. And I didn't know whether to be confused or encouraged. Somehow this wasn't turning out like all my training in the four spiritual laws booklets that it should turn out. So I just sort of followed where the spirit seemed to be leading this. And I said, I, I don't know, Mike, why don't you just try it and find out? He said, okay, you mean, you mean just try believing something just because the Bible says it? I thought, yeah, that sounds good. Why don't you try that? He took a breath and said, okay, here goes. Okay, so I'm deciding now just to believe in my mind that God really did create the world in six literal days. <laughs> and he started kind of laughing and he said, I, I guess he could do that if he wanted to, but, but, but what about all this stuff about the carbon dating and all the other scientific proof that we know? About? Wait, 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 but Mike, don't, don't get sidetracked. You're doing great. You're distracting yourself with uh, contradicting what the Bible says. Just, just keep your mind on what Scripture says. Just keep believing what you know that God says. You know the word. Just just use it. Okay, Mike. Said, uh, okay, here goes. Um, I'm deciding to believe that God was here before any matter or any energy. That I'm believing here, and I'm proclaiming with my mouth that it was only He, God, who made everything out of atoms and protons and neutrons, and and He holds them all together with. Oh, wait. Wait, that's exactly what it says in Colossians, isn't it? And he started quoting Colossians 1, 16. He said, all things have been created through him and that he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Hey, he said, wow. Wow, that really makes sense. I knew that verse, but it never really made sense to write now. Wow, that would explain the, and he started talking way beyond me. He said, that would explain the, the variance in the, in the intercorrelation of the KLM shells of the energized atoms and, and why they respond irregularly in the way that they, they intermix with abstract correlative catalysts. Of, you know, and he, he, he plunged off into a scientific jargon that was, I don't know, way, way beyond my barely past 10th grade physics level. And he was talking about all kinds of scientific stuff about atoms and protons and giggling like some giddy scientists who had just discovered the key to all the scientific puzzles in the world. Now I think about it, actually, maybe he just had. Anyway, he went on emoting to no one in particular about all the the scientific thoughts that were coming together for him now, that his uh, his mind was cooperating with the God who invented it all. And he kept punctuating his uh, rambling scientific explanations with, oh, 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 yeah, that's right. And, and and then if that's true, then, wow, that would exactly fit with Einstein's statement about matter and continuums of space. And, wow, Bruce, this is really exciting, isn't it? <laughs> I didn't even know how to, how to respond. But he said, of course God created the world in a short time. He had to, it had to be that way. It, it all makes sense. And, and off he would go into some other scientific explanation that I couldn't even begin to understand or follow. 
Now, all I know is that as I was watching Mike do that, once he decided to just center on Scripture instead of all the stuff he'd been taught, I knew that he was truly a believer. He'd believed a long time. He just It just didn't make sense. And now I was seeing him as truly a brother, not a doubting brother, but a, a brother that was truly a man of faith that he had really longed to become. And as I've as I've looked back at that day, I'm not sure all of what happened, but as far as I can tell, what had happened is he simply um, made up his mind to decide to believe what God said was true. And then once he did that, but then God took over and started to reveal to Mike's spirit the details that had been hidden from his mind all those years in his uh, intellectual distraction with evolution. And I'm, I'm reminded of what it says in First John two, twenty seven that that he had no need for anyone to teach him anything, and I couldn't have taught him any of that anyway. He had no need for anyone to teach him how it was all supposed to fit together, since the anointing that he had received. In fact, I watched him receive that anointing from God's Spirit, and God's Spirit explained it all to him. Now, like I say, I'm still a little, little puzzled about how his process of believing came about that day back in May 1979, or or even if that's the way it was supposed to happen, or if it ever happened that way with anybody else. I don't even know if that was the day of Mike's conversion or not. I do know, however, that 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 Mike spent the rest of his life as a powerfully effective advocate of scientific creationism. In fact, he taught it. And he taught in the places that he uh, lectured and taught in, as a professor. He, he, he taught the accuracy and the truth of biblical scripture. Um, his insatiable hunger for truth and his newfound intimacy with Jesus, who, by the way, called himself the truth, brought him into contact with all kinds of great minds, great scholars, scientists, philosophers, even popes. Mike has authored several books, lots of poems, countless scientific papers and scientific journals. Selma sent me some of them this week, uh, articles and editorials, all giving glory to Christ Jesus as Lord. One uh, book in particular called The Defective Image has been very effective in scientific circles, uh, soundly refuting the atheistic uh, principles of Darwinism. He's received a Master of Theology from the University of Aberdeen in the United Kingdom. He got a PhD from the University of Edinburgh in uh, that's in Scotland. Um, he traveled, oh my goodness, all over the world testifying to God's glory in China and India and Europe. And he taught in uh, uh, academic circles and challenged academic assumptions. Um, Mike's wife, Salma, herself was an orphan, a little orphan girl raised in India. She stood next to Queen Elizabeth II in the United Kingdom, and uh, last week Salma sent me a letter that she had received from the Pope. In fact, I have it right here in my hand. Uh, the letter from the Pope thanking her for copies of Mike's writing that they had shared with him and his Pope predecessor. Now, many of the books of Mike's vast library have been donated to the official library in Vatican, as well as to uh, other academic libraries. 
And, and as I think about Mike's testimony, I see that going from his being a stumbling alcoholic in the gutters of Puerto Rico to being a worldwide acclaimed scholar of scientific creationism really bears witness to what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 23, 24, right around there, that those members of the body that we deem less honorable, like alcoholism, alcoholics, or, or drug addicts, on these, we end up bestowing more abundant honor because, because God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member that lacks. His, uh, Mike's academic papers and writings still, even though he's dead, still bear the fruit of his effective witness uh, of his brilliant mind and, and his anointed creativity continues to challenge commonplace uh, assumptions. Wow, what an, what an adventure it is to see the creative way that God chooses to bless his humble people. Rarely does God follow any norm but his own, and he doesn't conform to our, our our banal expectations of trite or predictable orthodoxy that we feel like we have to cling to. He doesn't just tell us to learn his patterns and follow them. He tells us instead, follow me. And, and that's just what Mike Carter did. So when Christ tells you to just to go witness to somebody, <laughs> it may not make much sense. Recognize. You don't know what God is going to do. You don't have to be a great person doing great things. Just be an obedient person doing mundane things for a great God. May God bless you as you learn to be obedient to his command. Follow me. Bruce, that is an amazing story. Um, how, how far the Lord brought uh, Mike. And I want to ask if you had any advice to people who are listening who know there's something else out there but are just having trouble uh, believing, deciding to believe, as you said, deciding to put their trust in the Lord because of something they have been taught growing up or, or in school or in academia, what advice would you have for them? Um, wow, that's a good question. I, I suppose it would be... Um, to recognize that faith, while it's not irrational, faith doesn't always have to make sense to our uh, shallow minds. Um, somebody asked me once where faith ends and stupidity begins, and, <laughs> and I'm not sure I know the answer to that. And faith isn't stupid, but faith isn't obligated to follow everything we've always been taught or to agree with our theological orthodoxy. So I guess my advice to somebody who's really trying to believe and is not sure how to do it is just simply decide to believe, not by what you want to believe, but by what God says is true. The thing that I see in Mike is that because he had a background of some scripture, he and I had just spent hours just talking about scripture, uh, because he had had that uh, foundation in Scripture, he decided to believe what Scripture said rather than what he thought was logical or reasonable. Faith is not always reasonable, at least not until he plugs our reason into 
what his uh, great mind says. So just, uh, I guess the advice would be trust him, not you. Trust God, not, not your own education, not your own experience, not even your own theology. He doesn't tell us, follow that which makes sense to us. He tells us, follow me. That's Jesus' words. And, and, you know, what amazing peace that brings that we don't have to have all the answers right now that we can just Amen. trust. You know, we, we, we trust in our Heavenly Father uh, to take care of us and, and to give us, you know, all that we need. We may not understand all of it, but it's it brings amazing peace to trust in Him. So I, I want to share with our listeners that you can get, you can go on... Um, Mike Carter's website, it's www.drbenmcarter, that's dot com to get some of his uh, books and, and poems and academic papers, you know, the different resources he created after his conversion. And I just want to pray for those out there today who may be listening and uh, are struggling to uh, to believe, to trust in, in the Lord Jesus because of things they have been taught. Uh, I just pray that God would give them clarity of mind, that he would just allow them to decide right today to believe in him, to put their trust in him, to receive that peace, knowing that he will teach them all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening today. I hope you were truly blessed. If you want more information about Testify It, please visit us at testifyit.com. That is T-E-S-T-I-F-Y-I-T.com. If you want more information about Peace Ministries, you can contact them at www.peaceministriesinc.com. Do you have a testimony to share? We would love to hear from you. Just go to testifyit.com and fill out the testimony form. You can find it at the bottom of any page on the website. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and truly want one, call out to Him today. Decide to give over your life, surrendering it to Him, and choose to follow Him. He has already paid the price for your sins with His death on the cross. He was raised on the third day, and he will give you everlasting life with him. You will be born again, and he will place his Holy Spirit within you. Until next time, remember, you are loved by God, and he deeply desires a relationship with you.